Hi, everybody. This is Tracy Malone from NarcissistAbuseSupport.com. I am a coach and I am an author and I am a teacher of everything narcissistic. So it's kind of scary, but that's my job. And so uh, today I've got an interview for you and I've got a special guest. For those of you who are co-parenting with a narcissist, I know it's probably the worst thing that could possibly happen. It's it's a lifelong sentence until your kids grow up and get out of the system and out of the control of the narcissist. But today I've got a guest and I'm going to read her introduction because it's so impressive that I want you guys to know who is in the room and she's going to give us all kinds of answers and we're going to see if this helps you because I know her knowledge is great. So I'm meeting with Rosalind Sedata, and she is a divorce and co-parenting coach, recognized as the voice of the Child-Centered Divorce. She's the founder of Child-Centered Divorce Network and provides valuable resources for parents who are facing and moving through transitioning after a divorce. Uh, she's the author of How Do I Tell the Kids About a Divorce, a, a Create a Storybook Guide for Preparing Your Children with Love. She has her own podcast and radio show, and um, she's an expert blogger, and we're hoping to get her to give us some blogs for our blog as well. So if you are co-parenting with a narcissist, let's stay tuned and hear what Rosalind has for us. She's an expert. She's been doing this a long time, and she knows how to help us. So let's go meet her. Welcome, Rosalind. I'm so excited to have you here with me today. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be talking with you. I'm so excited you are like the foremost expert on child-centered divorce. And I know you created the um, Child-Centered Divorce Network. Can you explain to me and all of my audience what it is and how it can help them? The Child-Centered Divorce Network is focused entirely on helping parents, both parents, make the best decisions about their children before, during, and long, long after divorce. And so we're gender neutral. We don't favor mothers or fathers or whoever the parents are. What we do is remind both parents that if if you're a parent you're, and you're divorcing, it's it's far different than divorcing when you have no children. And you have to, there are consequences for every decision you make. And I want to help parents avoid a lot of serious mistakes that can be avoided if you're mindful and aware of them. And it makes the entire process much better for everyone in the family on a long-term basis. Wow, that sounds like such a passion. I know I've started my site out of the passion to educate others. How did you start yours? Well, I was married for close to 20 years, and uh, my son was showing tension headaches from the stress at home, the conflict, and I, I finally knew that I had to initiate a divorce. My ex did not want a divorce, and I was feeling so guilty. I, I went to therapy, and I spent years and years debating with myself, and finally I realized it, it had to, to happen, and my son was 11 at the time, and I was so afraid of harming him emotionally and psychologically, I kept putting it off. And finally, I knew that was the right step. So we got divorced and my ex and I learned how to co-parent. And the one thing we had in, in common that we could count on is that we both loved that child. We were both committed to um, the well-being of our son. And that kept us 
able to get through all the twists and turns and challenges that happen in co-parenting. And we raised our son to an adult. And one day when my son was in his early 20s, out of the blue, he came to me and he said, you know, Ma, you and Daddy did a really good job with the divorce. And I just want to thank you because most of my friends whose parents divorced either hate their parents or are very angry at them. And I think you guys were great. And I just let out such a sigh of relief. I was holding on to so much guilt. You, you just don't know, did I screw my child up in the process of doing all of this? And that became the catalyst for my founding the Child-Centered Divorce Network, becoming a divorce and co-parenting coach, and ultimately creating a, a number of books and courses and programs that are all available online to help parents before, during, and after divorce so that they can have the best possible outcome for everyone in the family on a long-term basis. Wow, that sounds like an amazing gift to humanity because you and I both know like co-parenting is, is a nightmare if you are not on the same page. And so it sounds like you guys help people get to the same page, but with a narcissist, they don't even want to walk in the room, much less open the book and be on the same page. Um, how does that help people that are in this high conflict situation like my clients are? It's much, it's much more challenging. And so a lot, of, a lot of the rules that I can use with a majority of clients obviously go out. The book, the book is not the same when you're dealing with narcissists, but there are certain things that do make sense. And we focus a lot on communication skills because there are better and not so good ways of saying things, of making statements, of getting your needs met and explaining what has to be done. And what we try to do is, is use the best possible communication skills to get the best possible outcome and to focus entirely on the fact that if your narcissist does care about the kids, that's the hook, that's the handle that's going to give you some ability to um, create some, some better outcome. If you're dealing with a person who really doesn't care about the kids, then, then you've really lost the leverage yeah. because they, they, are, they are out to destroy you no matter what. And the kids become collateral material. And that's why you're the expert and, and why I will refer a lot of clients to people like you because I, I understand that the parameters are just different. They are. It's 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 a scary world. I, I've had so many horror stories. The client I had right before this, we were talking about her parenting plan. And I'm like, do you have this? Do you have that? She's like, no. And they're they're so close. And and it's just been fighting over really stupid things versus the important things, right? It's it's tit for tat. It's it's not like the meat and the bones and what are we gonna do going forward? And I know all of my people end up like in a situation where they just surrender. Okay, I'm not going to fight for the baseball money. I'm just going to pay it. I'm not going to fight for soccer, Boy Scouts, whatever it is. I'm going to just pay it um, and, and even braces and, you know, bigger items because it's not worth the fight. Right. So it becomes it becomes a really horrible, like I, I call like a, a death sentence for 18 years. You are like at their beck and call and you get no cooperation. They actually undo everything good you do. So it's really hard. No doubt about it. And you have to really pick your battles so that um, when, when you do stand up and say, I have to fight for this, it's something that has real meaning in your life and your children's lives, as opposed to, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of routine mundane things 
that you you just have to let go because you're protecting your sanity and your well-being as well as the well-being of your children right Absolutely. And, and for me, the, 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 the cusp of the co-parenting journey and the, the ease of it comes in the parenting plan, right? If we can outline more rules and guidelines with that, we know how we're going to do this together. It makes the other side of the co-parenting, okay, this happens, we do this, this happens, we do that. But if you don't get that in as sort of, these are the rules, I, I find those parents are the ones that, again, it's battle after battle after battle. So, I agree. Um, that that's so important, and it's so wise that that you have the know-how in advance to say this is a likely outcome. If you don't do this, then this is likely to happen. So we we have to make sure we're covering our our bases here and here and here because experience is showing you where where the tension and where the battles are more likely to to happen. And fortunately, we're not reinventing the wheel. The experience on both of our sides is is giving us insights as to how to prepare the parents in the best possible way, because this isn't the first divorce in the universe. Yeah, exactly. Although it feels like it for them, right? Um, it's always it's always a shock in the battle, like you never expect it. I've even had people like I want to start talking to you and ask you some questions about telling the children about the divorce, right? Because to me, I've had clients where, okay, we agreed, we're going to tell them, you know, tonight and we're going to do this. And then, you know, I'll use this example. Daddy takes the kids to drop them off at their friends. And oops, I accidentally told the kids while I was about to drop them for a sleepover. And then the mother is sitting there putting up, picking up the pieces and you betrayed me. Why didn't you tell me? And it was all set up and arranged and they go behind their back. So what are the most important things people need to know about telling the children? So obviously the best way is for both parents to tell the children together. If there's one thing that parents should be aligned about, it's having that conversation. And, and one of the things that I do, I, I wrote a book on, on how to break the divorce news to kids um, which is creating a storybook in advance, which is sort of basically a photo album, or today you could have a very sophisticated print book, uh, printer, printer pics kind of thing, where you have family photos going back from when times were better and happier and, and going through the children's lives, birthdays and, and uh, vacations and school events and sports, etc. And then the, the, there's messages that are really pivotal to have, and I wrote text that gets customized by the parents. So this is a book about our family with our kids' names and our names in it. And it's, it's, it's personalized and customized, but basically the text is about the agreement that the parents have that we, because there's been tension at home and, and parents are not getting along, we've decided that life will be better for everyone in the family. If you have happy times alone with one parent, happy times alone with the other parents. So we're going to be in two different houses and reminding them that both parents love them, which is usually the case. It's not always the case, but we, we hope that that's the case, that both parents will always be their parents, that no one is going to replace either parent in these children's lives, which is so important. And hopefully both parents can understand and grasp the importance of that for the children, that this is about change and not about blame. So we don't have conversations that point and say, if your father didn't have an affair, if your mother wasn't an alcoholic, none of this would be happening because children shouldn't be privy 
to adult information about relationships. They can't possibly comprehend the complexity of, of a divorce, even older teens. And we don't want to rob them of their childhood by putting information in their heads that there's nothing they can do about. So we want to focus the message on the fact that even though there are changes and changes are normal in life, this is a change in the form of our family. Like the seasons change, our hairstyles change, our, our grades in school change, et cetera, et cetera. This is a change, but we are still a family and always will be a family if we could get both parents to agree about that and understand how valuable that is from the children's perspective. And that both parents are working to make things as good as possible, much better as possible after the divorce than it was before the divorce. So the kids have something to look forward to. This isn't the end of the world. This is just a better answer to the craziness that may have been going on beforehand. And what when we put this information in a book, it becomes a text for the conversation. Mm -hmm. So parents can change the message. They're sitting down with the children and the kids are reading through the storybook about us and our family. They're interested because there's pictures of them. Remember when this happened? Remember that? Remember all these good times? And we focus on the fact that there was a past. Right now there's a present, which may be scary and challenging and, and um, full of uh, uncertainty and fear and anxiety for the children, but there's going to be a future. And we are committed to make this future better for you. And if we can get the parents in a mindset of agreeing about that, which is bigger than their problems with one another, then we can set in motion a, a plan to help the kids feel that this isn't the end of the world and that, that we have something to look forward to. And we focus on, despite the changes, some things are still the same. Maybe they're still in the same neighborhood and going to the same school and have the same friends and other things that, that are not changing. And then things that are changing, there's, there's something to look forward to. We're going to be decorating a new room in the house and choosing colors for things. We're, we're going to be meeting new people and, and um, trying new activities in places. There, we can talk about the positive. So the main concept is that if both parents are in alignment about this conversation and what we're doing regarding the kids, then the kids have a sense of peace and, and beyond dread, and then they can go on accepting what's going to be happening. And you don't have to have a lot of details when you have a conversation. You don't have to have every detail of where this is happening and when and how. What This is about the emotional, psychological complexity of having a conversation to reassure the kids that both of their parents are working on this together for their well-being. And that's the sense of peace of mind that the kids are looking for. And if the parents can do that, then those children are lucky because the kids can have that, that sense of security that things are, are not um, as dire as they may be thinking about and not as afraid. Mm -hmm. If the parents can, then of course, it's a much more complex and convoluted situation as, as I know you've experienced. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a brilliant idea. Because really, I know when the children are, are hearing this news, as much as the details of, well, where will I live? 
they're more concerned about that. Will I see my friends? What will I have to change schools? Where will I live? I mean, those are their big concerns, not all of the other stuff that can get sucked into a, a badly formed. Exactly. exactly. And one more point that's important. Once they have this storybook that's physical in their hands, they can reread it over and over again in the days, weeks and months to come. Reminding them, remember when we talked about this, you see over here in this page and there's pictures all around it, but the, but the page is talking about the fact that this is going to happen or you don't have to worry about this mm -hmm. or this change is normal or, or we have something to look forward to. And some children actually bring the storybook from home to home in, in the visitations and continue adding photos and, and new information because it's about us and our family. And that's a great sense of peace of mind for the kids, just to know that we are still a family and I'm not losing either of the parents I love. That's that's what the children need, because otherwise fear sets in and, you know, we see six year olds in therapy and, you know, just all kinds of complications from not the unknowing so this puts it in like i envisioned it as you were talking about i'm like oh a little picture at the end of you know maybe just the kid and and mommy just the kid and daddy and you're going to get a new room and let's figure out what you want in the new room and make it really fun so that they have something to look forward to even though there's change that's the whole point and right. it's been working beautifully i've been doing this for 15 years around the world and i have wonderful um feedback from parents talking about what a positive difference it made in getting both parents to understand why they need to be on the same page in this regard. Mm -hmm. And then it, it avoids a lot of the mistakes the parents are tempted to make because they, they realize that when the kids are getting this united message, everyone in the family is, is happier and getting along in a better way. Brilliant. I'm so glad you created that. Um, you know, I know a, a lot of how the kids handle it and, and what stresses them and, you know, what impacts them happens at different ages. So a six-year-old is not going to have the same kind of thing as a 13-year-old. Uh, what does age have to do with how the divorce impacts the kids? Yeah, that it, it's so important. Uh, uh, most parents understand because the differences in, in ages, but when it comes to divorce, we're talking about energy more more than than facts, and so you're talking when you have infants and toddlers and children on, under five, they don't understand what's going on in the physical plane of what's happening, but they pick up on the energy in the family. So they may have been exposed to tension and conflict and fighting, or or the the horrors of parents who aren't talking to each other and, and there's just a void or a lack of emotional um, closeness and, and uh, touching and attention. And so kids are picking up on that. And so it's, it's important for parents to be aware that even when your children are young, they are still picking up on the vibrations in, in the home. And you want to be <clears throat> as loving and tactile and warm with your children as possible. Smiles, hugs, eye contact are, is important. When you get to children in elementary school, they're going to understand on a different level what's happening and they'll understand changes. We're going to be in, in mom's house this much time, dad's house this much time. There's going to be some shifts and changes. We want to keep it simple. Everything should be child focused in the age, 
but the the importance for them is not feeling jealousy and competition mm. and that that can get confounded if if there's a blended family that they're suddenly moving into which happens in some cases where suddenly there's another person who comes who's in one of the parents lives or in both <clears throat> children can feel <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> children can feel tension a competition with another love interest that may come along yeah. regardless of their age or they may feel competition with another child who belongs to a, a new partner who comes into the picture mm -hmm. so you have to be very sensitive and mindful about that when when kids get older and move into their teens they're much more likely to take sides first of all they have a memory of maybe how life was before all the tension and the, and the divorce started happening there may have been better times ahead so they've experienced the contrast of of a different past compared to the the present now and they may very well take sides so then you're dealing with with teenagers who have agendas are they protecting you are they protecting the other parent are they uh, lying to you or the other parent to protect them or to get back at them? Are they manipulating both of you and taking advantage because they have an opportunity when when kids are aware that parents are experiencing a lot of discord, then they play both sides for attention. They play both sides for financial gain and manipulation. And so we have to be very, very aware of all the issues and the power that that older children have at the same time it's so important that we remember that we we cannot rob our children of their childhood innocence and that's including teens because if we confide in our in our children about adult issues they are no longer children they are no longer teens they are little adults thinking about the psychology problems and, and the relationship problems that adults are thinking about. Once they know, you can never take it back. Then their mindset is into, how can I help mom? How can I help dad? How can I fix this? What can I do? Um, they're trying to become little mediators, little therapists. Uh, you need to remember that you confide in your friends and professionals. You don't confide in your children. And you don't ask your children to, to become your confidants mm -hmm. and, and give them information that there's nothing they can do about right. and that will immediately make them turn them into a little adults and, and feel the pressure of how can I fix this mess that my parents are in when it's impossible for them to. So we have to be mindful of their age, talk to them in age appropriate ways and be mindful of what they are thinking and what they're trying to do and give them the relief of saying, we know that there's nothing you can do to fix this. Don't pressure yourself. Children of all ages have a tendency to blame themselves because children are naturally narcissistic in a, in a healthy way, not in the way you're talking about. And so uh, it's very often a child will say, maybe if I wasn't fighting with my brother all these years, maybe if I didn't get a D, a D in my report card last month, maybe my parents wouldn't be divorcing. And so they put this enormous pressure on themselves emotionally and psychologically and blame themselves for something that is totally out of their realm. Even if you're fighting about the kids, it's never the children's fault. This is adult parental issues that, that is not the children's fault. And 
we need to remind children of that again and again through and after the divorce process that they are not to blame, that none of this is their fault. They're innocent and we want them to have the best childhood possible because they'll hold us accountable when they're grown adults. Mm -hmm. And for, for me, it's very important to share that with my clients to remind them that one of the first decisions they have to be mindful of is what are our kids going to feel about how we handle the divorce when they're grown adults? Mm -hmm. Because that can sober parents up pretty pretty quickly when you think it's hard to imagine that a, that a, a three-year-old or a six-year-old or a nine-year-old is ever going to be an adult, but it happens. <laughs> they grow up on you <laughs> and they're going to hold you accountable. And that's why there are so many adult children of divorce who, who are so angry and, and hurt and sad. Absolutely. Thank you. What, what you were saying just triggered my mind to the way that narcissists triangulate the children, right? They are pitting one against the other. Loyalty is tested. You keep this from mom and I'll get you the iPad. You do this. If you break that vow of, of secrecy, you know, you become weaponized. And and there's always in, in, a, in a family with a narcissistic parent, male or female, doesn't matter, there's always competition between the siblings for the parents love. Um, there's jealousy of that. You know, you love your mother more, you love your father more. And, and it becomes this war of the, the scapegoat and the golden children in the family. Right. How does that affect? Like if you are the golden for the, say the narc parent and everything is yours, but you're the scapegoat and you can't do anything right. And you're the one probably doing all the work and trying to make them happy. And yet, your destiny is so much different between a golden and a scapegoated child. How, how do we help them? It's an emotional burden that that's overwhelming and can't easily be, be, be fixed because so much damage is done. What we have to do is shake the parents up as early on as possible and see if they have the sensibility to understand that their children are innocent through all of this. And if you do this, that, and the other thing, your kids are going to be impacted psychologically and emotionally for life in these ways. So you have a choice right now. It's tempting. You know, so many narcissists feel justified in, in what they're saying and doing because they, they build it up in their heads and they start believing their story. Mm -hmm. And so it's very easy to justify. Well, I wouldn't be saying this except that she's, she's a this and, and he's a that and and we get into the, the drama of it all, but the, the only thing, and it doesn't always work, that, that I, I have in, in my toolbox is reminding them that these children deserve the very best from both of you mm -hmm. and that they can be hurt so easily by both of you in so many ways. And they fall through the cracks. You may feel it very justified that this is a terrible co-parent and you don't want your kids to be spending time with them. And, and we could steer our kids into alienation. We could steer our kids into, into so many different directions, feeling justified. So we, we really have to be very careful in explaining to the parents that every single decision has consequences. And because these decisions are not unique to you, there, there are so many that are, that are commonly done, we, we can help you avoid a lot of them and avoid the, the pain and heartbreak 
of your children in your family. If you care about that, mm -hmm. then make a different choice here. Choose differently there. Don't go down that path. Mm -hmm. It feels good in the short term for, for a moment, right. but it, what it, what is it going to do to everyone in the family? Mm -hmm. And in some cases, it does work or at least ease up some of the the potential disaster. And in other cases, it doesn't. And, and we, you, you know the consequences because you're dealing with this on an ongoing basis. Yeah. And, and it's, it, it breaks my heart when I see, you know, one child being idolized and they can do no wrong, even though they just smashed up your car and did all of it, it's fine. But if you don't flush the toilet, right, or do something, you, you get hell to pay. Right. So it breaks my heart when I see that. And it breaks the parent's heart, whether it's the mom or the dad going like, treat them the same. You bought him an iPad, get her an iPad. It's only fair, right? Don't, you know, don't make that second child in the iPad example going, what's wrong with me? How come I didn't get one? And, and they got this. And I, you know, it, it it's that competitiveness that actually pits the children against each other. And it's so the, the parent can have control and they often choose the one that you were closest to to, to or, make the goal yes. and take them away from your love by or, making them love. Is there anything that you do that does work to help get the parents in the process of, of doing this to, to stop and think first? Well, I work with the victims of the narcissist and I give them tools to help them to try to convince and talk to the other parent. Um, but narcissists are famous for, you know, not like feeding the children when they're there, not helping them with their homework. You know, they've got a project you don't forget. You've got to get it done. And, oh, no, I ignored that. We were busy watching X-Men, right? Um, they they talk badly about the other parent. And then the, the, the non-narc parent is sitting here going, my kids are being bullied and, 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 you know, they won't pay for my kid to go to the doctor. They won't, you know, the, the, the amount of conflict between the two parents doesn't ever allow them to get to this healthy place of, you know, heart centered stuff because they're, they're fighting with someone. And it doesn't matter if you said the sky was blue, they would say not everywhere. Like it, it, they can't win no matter what they're doing. So it, it's impossible for the parents to sit there when they're dealing with me, I give them the tools, they take them back and they get squelched down. Yeah, I'm, more not, I'm not signing up for that. I don't care about that. I'm not doing that. I don't agree with that. And then what do they do? They end up paying for the soccer themselves. They end up paying for the braces. They end up taking on the responsibility because they're up against someone who is just going to hold a, a no card. And they have no choice in, in the matter. Yeah. And they don't seem to grasp the fact that the kids are going to hold them accountable when, when they're grown. And a lot of these parents ultimately do lose relationships with the children. But They really do. Yeah. 10 or 20 years ahead sounds like a very long time. And so they play the game um, in, in the short term, not not being mindful at all about um, what's going to happen in, in the longer term. And it's very hard to, to talk to a client and say, well, ultimately your child's going to understand the, the heartfelt things you did and, and the, the um, ways that you sacrificed in order to give their life the, the best possible outcome, because it is, it isn't very easy for any, anyone to hold on year after year after year fighting those battles as as your clients are doing. Yeah, it's putting out fires and, and I give them tools and I teach them to um, 
how to, I, I call it like, you know, fix them when they get back. They get deprogrammed and they come back and they're all hostile and crazy. And then, okay, they're going back on Friday. You get them normalized. You you get them to a place, the kids, where like they're stable. And then they go back and you do it again next week. So that's the tools that we have in the NARC co-parenting. What the arsenal here is to just be like, he's not going to change. She's not going to change. But here's how you put the kids back together. Here's how you show them love. Here's how you make memories, right? Um, because if you're always putting out fires, you know, the memories don't, you know, they take them to Disney and, you know, off to all these extravagant things that you can never afford. But that doesn't mean that you can't create a memory, like taking them to the park and having pizza night and doing things that maybe are in your budget that still bring that love to the kids and they will treasure that just as much as a big fat trip to Disney because it is the memories of growing up we used to do Sunday night movie night and it's special even though it costs you nothing but popcorn right so those are the kind of things that they need the guidance to hear because they're, they're out of help they just give up and they're like I don't know what nothing works but you can start to build back and help the children on your time to make a different life for them. And that makes a big difference. And parents get scared. So when you learn that, you're like, oh my God, I should have been doing this all along. Wow, thanks. <laughs> and, and parents don't always realize kids pick up on these things. They they can't express it. They can't necessarily tell you, but kids pick up. They, they understand which parent's heart is open and is coming from a place of genuine love as, as opposed to a place of manipulation or, or what's convenient or showing off or, or other, other behaviors. And so, it, again, the kids understand what's, what's happening mm -hmm. and a lot of them will, will be very sensitive to the, the parent who's, who's being abused. Unfortunately, other kids will will understand the power drama and um, take advantage of being on the side of, of the more powerful parent and um, become more bullying and, and model those behaviors. Mm -hmm. But it, but in in many cases, children are more sensitive. They do understand, and they're not as easily bought or coerced because they want, they're they're picking up on the heart space. Right. And that's and that's important to realize, to let the parents know um, it, it will matter. It will matter. Like your son came to you and said, hey, you guys did a great job. Right. Um, my son told me, you know, he changed his major to psychology and he's the one told me that I was married to a narcissist. So they do find it. They yes. do find their their place in the world. And, you know, they shouldn't have to. My son was much older, but they shouldn't have to be looking up stuff like this to try to, you know, hey, mom, did you know that was a narcissist? Oops. You know, no, I didn't actually. Thank you. Um, so we are running out of time and I am so grateful that you were here. But Rosalind, you have like a, a free ebook that we talked about when we planned this. Do you want to tell everybody about that? Absolutely. Um, it's called Post-Divorce Parenting Success Strategies for Getting It Right. And there's some very good, sensible strategies that, that you can use before, during, and long, long after divorce. Um, it Again, it's, it's harder when you're dealing directly with a narcissist. But sometimes you get a surprising outcome when, when you realize that something something clicks, something works, and you you want to take advantage of that or do more of that. And so I have a lot of the things we talked about today 
in in this free ebook and if you just go to my website childcenteredivorce.com that's centered with an ed childcenteredivorce.com right on the top of the home page just add your email address and it, and it you can get it for instant download and i think it'll it'll be very valuable to help put in your arsenal of of tricks and suggestions for helping your co-parenting experience be run a little bit more smoothly that's a wonderful gift that you're giving. Thank you so much. Everybody go and download that. We're going to have your URL across and we'll put it again in the notes down below. Um, did we miss anything that we we should have told everybody in this conversation? Well, I, I think one thing I, I always like to remind parents is that you are role models for your children always. And it's not as much what you say, it's what you do. Again, it's your energy. It's, it's how you are. Your kids will pick up on that. And so remember that in, in make, before you make decisions, remember that your kids are watching for you and learning from you. And this is a long-term game you're in. And so year after year after year, they're, they're picking up from you the, the way to do things that is going to be more effective. And they will watch and see and, and be aware of the difference between the way you may be behaving as opposed to their other parent who, who seems to be much more self-centered, much, much more into conflict and drama and all of those other things. Kids, kids are aware. So remember that you're the, you're the role model and be the person you want your kids to be emulating and you'll you'll feel good about yourself as you're going through this challenging process thank you so much that i just want to like hug you right now i'm like that's exactly what all of my clients need and all of the people that are listening who are struggling so hard to co-parent it is a battle and um, there's, it doesn't mean the battle's over. Like that's what people need to understand. It's, it's not over. And you know, if you stay in that positive energy and the kids feel that, they will feel love. They will feel secure. And you know, the the drama that they see on the other side um, will balance out to to the best that it possibly can. Because you can pick up the pieces, but they're still going to be a jerk tomorrow. So you're going to have to pick them up again. And, and it's like you're a chimney sweep. You're just going to have to keep cleaning up the mess, but your kids are going to see that. Your kids are going to see you as whole versus broken and crying all the time or yelling and screaming. And, you know, so many of my clients have to like exchange their kids at the police station. Like it is like out of, out of control of, of, you know, just not being cooperative, but Again, clients are very lucky to to have found you because your message is is right on target and your heart's in the right place. And so it's it, they're they're very fortunate to be getting advice from you and getting the insight and wisdom that you're sharing. Thank you so much. It has been a, a pleasure to have you back. I'm going to have you back for that conversation. I just decided we're going to have a conversation about your book about dating after after divorce and, and into your 60s, because I know lots of people are always asking me questions. So let's come back and talk about that another time. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I hope you found that helpful. Rosalind is a wealth of information and um if any of you want more information, we will put all of her details down below. And, you know, while it's very difficult for a narcissistic, you know, 
couple or a couple with a narcissist in it to co-parent the heart-centered way that she's talking, you can learn a lot from her. You can get the guidance. You can learn how to, again, put the pieces back together on you know your time. So this is Tracy Malone. Thank you so much for watching. If you like this video, um, please like and share it or subscribe to my channel. That's a cool thing too. So thank you so much. I have a website, NarcissistAbuseSupport.com. We have about 700 pages of resources and help for you. So if you're looking for help and assistance, or you're looking for guidance, it's on that website. I hope to see you there soon. Thank you so much.